With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Welcome to Off the Post. I'm Russ Cohen. We've got Anthony Mingione. And how are you? Doing well, Russell. Yourself? I'm doing pretty good. Pretty good. Watching hockey like everybody else. And Mike Ojella. Mm-hmm. How are you, Mike? Good evening, gentlemen. How was Infinity Wars, Russ? It was good, actually. I think I think everybody will enjoy it. Uh, it was. I, I do have a bone to pick with John Favreau. I'm going to tweet it later, and that is basically, you know, everybody's loading up on like a giant soda and popcorn, making everybody hold it for as long as they do for that movie is almost not fair. So I'm, I'm, that's that's my complaint. How so? Was he? The, he wasn't the director for it, though, was he? What, was it a scene? Well, he was. A, he was a part of the group though he wasn't the director Russo's were but he's always involved some way so I just uh, I'm gonna okay. I don't know the Russo's guys I know Favreau so I'm gonna blame Favreau I'm sure he had something to do with the final cut and I'm right. <laughs> Russ were you in the middle doing the pee pee dance in the theater <laughs> it was getting he's, close he's to blame I wasn't moving, a, he's to blame in absentia yeah but I was, it was getting close alright so before we get on with some of the you know, series hockey business. Um, mm-hmm. Something that I predicted is happening, and the the Hart Trophy nominees have been announced tonight, and I had said to people the pitchforks were going to be out for this, and I saw that already people complaining. Elliot Friedman said, you know, everything's going to be made public after the award. So literally, I'm telling you, 10 minutes after the awards, Twitter is going to go crazy. So in the interest of, I guess, fairness, and, and I'll give people trans, I'm going, to, I'm going to be totally transparent here for, for my heart trophy. So if you want to kill me, you can kill me now. You don't have to wait till June. I had McKinnon one, Taylor Hall two, Claude Giroux three, Anze Kopitar four, Nikita Kucherov five. I think that's completely, that's a completely fair ballot. Mm-hmm. It's tough. And again, the third, I think, there were a lot of guys. Now, the way I look at it is McKinnon was, was a guarantee to be one, and Hall basically had knocked down the door um, throughout the season to be the second one, I kind of felt yeah. at that point. Kopitar is where it gets – the kopitar Giroux thing is where things get a bit dicey. This is, yes, this is where the line because is being and the thing is, oh, That's the thing a lot of Eastern people haven't seen with regards to the impact that Kopitar had on the Kings. He mm-hmm. single-handedly – Dragged that team into the postseason this year. Yeah, when Drew had a lot, out and, a lot of yeah. Drew, it, it, it drew it a wonderful season offensively, second overall in scoring. Does he deserve to be there too? Sure. If you expand the ballot, if it's a five-man ballot, I think that's perfectly fine. It's a tough one there. Um, again, but there was other offensive uh, weapons in the lineup for Philadelphia, whereas. It's 92 points for Andre Kopitar, and the second leading score is Dustin Brown with 61. Yeah. I mean that's that's just that gap is just ridiculous. You it take is. him out, you take him out of the lineup, especially with Jeff Carter only playing 23 games this season. La La is in Lotteryville 
Yeah. Well into lottery. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they don't otherwise. Mike, so, yeah, I mean, I agree. I agree with your list. I agree with the the three nominees. I'm just overjoyed that one of the names that wasn't on the list was Connor McDavid because it would have made me throw up. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, no, but, yeah, yeah, Five opportunity it, it, for him. Yeah, and uh, the only the only one like uh, that I may have included on on the on my t- and I didn't get a chance to vote this year. Hopefully, in the next few years, I do. Uh, the one I probably would have included, even though you know the five game suspension and him being you know, basically the black hat wearer of the NHL would have been Brad Marchand because uh, if you look at the Bruins, you know, you had Pasternak get hurt for a little bit. You had Bergeron out for 20 games. Marchand was the one who was in there all the time. And, you know, he's just he was just consistently one of the best forwards in the league. So I would have I would, would have maybe put him in the top five. But I have no problems with the list, and I'm glad McDavid didn't make it. Okay, so we, we move yeah. on from that. Let's talk a little um... – Pens caps, and we'll let you go first because Mike and I sort of um, had some fun this afternoon talking about it. And I don't yeah. know. I mean, what they're doing is is not completely unexpected for me. I don't know. What about for you? It, it's not. I thought the Caps. I mean, they get that early third period goal, and they thought they were really doing an, a, a good job of keep, of of keeping control of Pittsburgh. And then it's just it's that moment there, Pittsburgh. All they have to do is just get a little bit of a mind worm <laughs> that team, uh-huh. and as soon and it was so quick, bang, bang, like that, and it was just you could see it on, on you could see it um, on Holpe. It just you could see the body yeah. language changed yeah. almost immediately, and the sphincter you could see the sphincter started <laughs> tightening, and it's just like here we here we go again and again. This yeah. all comes down to the capitals. They have to get out of their own head. And just keep battling in this case. And then once it got to three two, it was just like you could see they just their sh- the shoulders are sagging, and it's like here we go again. And if you if you if you're going to have that mindset, you know you're defeated before you start. And I listen. Philadelphia had plenty had plenty of experience of watching just how fast the cat the Penguins are able to strike. It's not just that; it's just how the Penguins are able to strike you just at the right time to give you just enough pause. You it, it requires every bit of mental fortitude for you to stick to the game plan and make sure that you do that. And they just flat out did not do that in the third period. And they, again, once again, they have to get out of their own mental way again. Yeah. I always talk about how they just score in waves and it's, it, it's, it's, amazing kind of the, it's kind of like they're overwhelming Russ. It's just, they have the ability. It's not like they're, it's like a withering amount of shots that they're firing. No, and it's no, just, no. they but, know, Right exactly goal at the right time. They, they're just able exactly. to do it. They just, it's like, and I use this in the first round series. I said, they're like the Kung, it's like watching a Kung Fu uh, movie uh, training montage where the student is firing, you know, mm-hmm. 50,000, you know, 50,000 kicks and punches at the master. He's blocking, you know, he's kind of sort of semi-blocking everyone. All he does is he, gets, he finds that one little opening strikes the student and just the right time and the student crumples to the floor. We saw it with the Flyers. And we saw it, obviously, we saw it with the Penguins. I mean, we saw it with the uh, with the Capitals. Mike? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the biggest mental hurdle there was you go into that game and Malkin is not there. And Hagelin, who's, you know, a good forward, not, mm-hmm. not a key forward, but a good depth forward, he's not there. And you're going in with a 2 nothing lead and you think everything is great, everything is honky-dory, and then all of a sudden it turns. And I, I just think that, you know, Washington is just 
I mean, they're psyched out. They're, they're, I mean, they're, when, it, when it comes to the Penguins, I think their, their mental game is deficient. And they can't get, they can't get by the past. And it's going to kill them in this series. I, I, I picked Pittsburgh, and the reason I picked Pittsburgh was because I don't think Washington is deep, as deep as they were last year. And the, and the Penguins beat them when they were at, their, I think, their best. And I just don't think they're going to do it again. And game one was proof of that. Yeah, I don't think a lot of people think that. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see how things go. Um, game with Nashville just ended. You know, something I saw in that game drives me crazy, and it's it's sort of, Part of the reason I don't watch the NBA anymore, but I, I could see where people at least would get used to it. Like the NBA, I just it gets me crazy if you've, if you've got a fast break going and a guy literally stops to shoot a three when you could shoot a you know much higher percentage shot. Well, in this game with them down a couple of goals, whoever the player was and sounds off, so I can't tell, was right near the net and he did the pass back like they do on the power play. And, of course, the yeah. puck goes, you know, skittering out to the middle because somebody gets their stick on it. And I'm thinking, go to the net with it and put it on the goalie. Why are you passing it back? But I think the desperation that Connor Hellebuck had put that team in this game, yeah. that was their mindset. They were. I, I completely agree with that in terms of Hellebuck. He just he – st- they just – he, it was impressive, actually. I mean, in many ways, Nashville put all kinds of, of pressure on at times during this game, and they did not defensively. It was almost it, it was borderline bend don't break at times. Yeah, and they just allowed, and Hellebuck just held them in. And I mean, you saw on display tonight why he's a Vesna Trophy candidate. I mean, he's just. And it not, it's not just the whole case of the you know his skill set, but it's also the fact that he just got himself into the uh, the headspace of the of the National Predators in this game, where they they really started to you could tell the play you described right there is exactly what we're talking about here. Where normally if you the Predators if they're confident they're going to crash the net pretty hard there, and they're going to they're going to they're going to force themselves and uh, force their will upon uh, their opponent, and in this case. You we're not able to do that, and again, this is something that they're going to have to deal with now that this series is going to be. We we know this is going to be a long series. We all know that, but I don't know if we necessarily thought Game One was going to go to the Jets per se, but they came in and uh, in that in that environment and did a hell of a job. They did. Now, Mike, as we talked about on other shows, the um, the Jets fans pretty much had the pitchforks out last year for Hellebuck. A little different this year. All of a sudden, there's a big love fest on Twitter. It's nice. Oh yeah, it's great. I mean, but yeah, they. I think they were a little bit short-sighted. They were ready to, you know, kick him out of town. And it's funny that the, the Jets organization is going to have to pay up big time because I believe he's an RFA this summer. So, yeah. you know, they've got a they've got a lot of off-season. We won't talk about that, but they have a lot of off-season business this summer and next summer with a lot of their young guys with line, you know, line A coming up due, Wheeler being a UFA. I mean, that that's, you know, they're going to have success, but they're also going to have to manage the cap and make some, perhaps have to make some tough decisions down the line. But tonight, I think the key of the game was they're, you know, they're up to nothing and Nashville's got a power play. And I think Nashville got one shot on goal. I heard Pete Weber describing it as I was driving home and, you know, they had one shot on goal and Shifley comes right back about maybe 30 seconds after the yeah game. that was the yeah that, that was, was the, that was one the, there that was that was, the, that mm-hmm. was the coup de gras i mean they, they couldn't yeah. come back from that and you know if, Hel- <laughs> yeah. if hellebuck plays like that they don't have a chance but i i think you know 
Nashville is a pretty good team. Here's the number before we before we wrap up on Nashville. Nashville outshot Winnipeg forty eight to nineteen. Yeah. Shot attempts was eighty seven thirty nine Nashville. Yeah, that's unconscious. That's insane. That that's that is a goaltender who's got the damn force field up. Uh it's apparently this is a jet it was a Jets record. Um Jets and Thrashers franchise record for most saves in a playoff game, eclipsing the mark of thirty seven set by Johan Hedberg in game two of the conference quarterfinals in 2015 and matched by Andre. That was Hedberg when he was with uh, Atlanta, it looks like. And then Andre Pavlich in game two of the 2005 uh, against Anaheim. So, right. yeah, 47 stops. Yeah, he was unconscious in this game. No, good for Hellebuck. I mean, I've always been a fan, yeah. and, and it's nice to see him uh, come through. Okay, let's let's talk a little Vegas. I mean, and you know I was going to mention Alex Tuck. He had a nice goal between four players and I even mentioned it on this afternoon show because in my mock draft that year I put Tuck on the Flyers but look they took Travis Sanheim either way both guys put yeah. in the playoffs so I don't think I, I think actually either pick would have been on par on par we said that from that day though but we knew that in in, in that circumstance yeah. even the day of the draft that either yeah. pick was going to be pretty much worthy in this game yeah. depending on what Philadelphia is looking at and again at that point of what Philadelphia is trying to build tough to kind of go against the guy who, you know, with, with the potential two-way game that Sanheim has. That being yeah. said, Alex Tuck is fantastic. Yeah. There's no question about that, especially with the opening in Vegas. We all thought, obviously, with Minnesota, but he goes to Vegas, and it's just him and Halla are just make, giving have – to, have to, all, all I can think of right now is, is Chuck Fletcher's getting migraine headaches watching him and Halla well, play together right now. Because they gave him Tuck, so they would yeah. pick Halla, so they gave him two-thirds of a line. And yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, listen. You also adding to the mix. Also, you have what is it? You have Marsha So and Riley Smith yeah. as well. I mean, it's just um, yeah. But 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 remember, and we we were. I mean, Russ, when, when last year in uh, uh, in Chicago, we were talking about this. The 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 backlog of young forwards that Minnesota had with uh, Kaprizov with. Uh, yeah. Eric Sinek with Greenway, they could afford. Everybody thought to give up Alex Tuck. He was probably fourth on that list, you know, so they could protect the, uh, so they could protect themselves from losing a Matt Dumba. And Dumba had a pretty good year, but yeah, I mean, everything has turned into a, a, a phenomenal success with Vegas. I mean, everything is turned to gold. That's it's just it's it's incredible. Royal flush. It's a royal flush. Yeah. Yeah. That's. Yeah. Yeah, I um, and I'm, and I'm not being che- I'm not being cheeky about that. I, I, I'm being no, dead no, no. serious when I say that they hit they they absolutely just hit every about as much horseshoe up your rear end luck yeah. as a <laughs> as a franchise could possibly have uh, in their first year. There's no question about. Well, that. the funny thing, Ann, is I think they're going to have this team. You know, I would say 75 percent of this team back next year, and then they're going to have all new reinforcements. I just think. It's just unbelievable what's come together for them this year because this this team, as as the fans see it, it won't be there like this in two years. It just won't. There'll be a lot of changes. Guys will be gone. They won't resign some. Some will get traded. But right now, this moment in time, it's hard to beat them. Yeah, no question. I mean, I said that at the I said in the first round after I picked the Kings, and I said flat out with the, with Vegas, I said if they get past LA. That's the last hurdle for them in terms of any concerns that you would have. In ter- and, and now, again, it, it really gets interesting for Vegas because 
if it plays out, if Winnipeg knocks off Nashville and Vegas moves past San Jose, that to me is as pick them a final as you could possibly get. And yeah. I can't pick against Vegas per se. Not at this point of the game. Well, here, well, here's I, the other thing. Oh, sorry, Mike. Before before Mike goes, and we, the one thing I had mentioned is, and you're not going to want to hear this, but when a team has a, a system that just seems to be completely different from the rest of the league and it's working, I sort mm-hmm. of brought it back to the left-wing lock. It's not the same system that's being run, but it's just the idea that when the left-wing lock, lock was being run, nobody seemed to have an antidote for it. Well, right now, nobody seems to have an antidote for Vegas, but I have to say the one thing that Sharks – sort of annoyed me with was the way that they were just trying to like overly finesse the puck on the power play when the Kings guys were literally like they were playing right up in their face. It's like uh, that wasn't the uh, the way to do it. Like they need to change. They have to change the way they play. They can't just go stubborn with, hey, this is what got us here and, you know, keep doing it. Yeah. No, I, I, I can't argue with that on that. It, it's, it's, that's a good read there, Russ. Mike? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I picked the Kings in the first round. I thought, you know, I was still skeptical of the all. A lot of us did. The magic that that the Vegas Golden Knights had, but I mean, I went in this series. I, I've, I've never been a believer of the Sharks this year, and I thought, okay, well, Vegas has proved to me that they're, they're for real. So I picked the, I picked the Vegas in, I think, in seven games. But they're five, they're five and zero oh in the playoffs. That's crazy. It's five and zero. Oh. I mean, it's 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 incredible. That's all I can say. No, it's 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 crazy. Um, full marks also to Connor Hellebuck because um, you know, pregame when the uh, when they show that the locker room shot, they showed Hellebuck and he was just sort of looking and staring at the camera like Charles Bronson, not looking at his wrists and sort of taping up his wrists without even looking. It was pretty badass, I gotta say. <laughs> okay, just saying. <laughs> so. So now we um, we look to I don't know where should we go next? I'm actually thinking about this. Um, well, why don't we why don't we talk briefly about locker clean out day with the with the Leafs? Since oh I yeah yeah know. yeah that's always a nice day a fun day. Let's let's talk about that. Yeah well okay and as as we as we predicted Russ, um, Lou Lamorello comes out and says a lot of words and says absolutely nothing. <laughs> uh, well, that's an art form by the way. It is. It is. He he was he was extremely artistic in, in his commentary. I mean, they, a couple people asked him, "Okay, do you want to return for another year as general manager? Will you be returning?" And he would not bite. He would not say a thing. He says, "Well, you know, basically, like when we when we have an announcement, we'll have an announcement." I'm like, okay, so 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 there's no there's there's definitely no uh, indication. I, I believe he will be back. Okay. Uh, there's been some, there's been some speculation that uh, you know his son Chris is a is part of the management with in, with the Islanders. He gets along well with Gar Snow. This is a report from Elliot Friedman, and that possibly if it doesn't work out with the Leafs, if they want to move to uh, to Kyle Dubas or Mark Hunter, that Lamorello could go to to the Islanders. But I think with the contracts of Matthews, Marner, and Nylander uh, on the on the uh, on the dock this summer, and I think they have to, you know, they struck out. Last summer on getting a defenseman in Travis Hamannick, they struck out at the deadline, and they lost this series against Boston because their defense was putrid. So they yeah. really have, I think, a knife to their throat in terms of upgrading their blue line. And, of course, 
Lou deflected and said, "Well, you know, we we tried, but and we didn't. We we would have had to give up something we didn't want to give up. Well, I think you're in a way going to be forced to give up what you may not want to give up to get that defenseman because you're never going to win unless you unless you improve your blue line dramatically." Right. The Aren't only we- thing, and I totally agree with you, a hundred percent. And then, and I'll let you go. The only caveat with that is. They may have like a longer range plan where they say, all right, we're still not giving it all up this year. But in two years, that's when we feel like we're going to be at our strongest. We'll do it then. Like that's always possible, right, Ant? Yeah, there's always a possibility of that. I could, I can definitely see that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they may, they may be, they may be waiting around till Lilia Grin is ready to be in the NHL, which would be probably. It's, yeah, it's a bit 20, of there's, 20, yeah, it's the beginning yeah. of the 2019 20 season, but. Honestly, you're. I mean, they're they're already going to lose basically one line of veteran talent in free agency. I don't think Van Riemsdyk is going to be back. The way he talked uh, at locker clean out, it was with everything basically in past tense. So it, you know, it sounds like he's he's gone. And ba- um, Bozak would like to return, but I, I don't know if he thinks that the Leafs will offer him anything compared to what other teams might, because he's a center and a lot of teams need centers. They might bring back like Roman Polak and Leo Komarov, but they don't they don't really move the needle that much. So it's like you know there's going to be there's going to be dramatic change, and I I really think after a 52 point season and then having the train wreck of a playoff series that you may have seen the last of Jake Gardner in Toronto, which I know for a number of Leaf fans they they're popping champagne at that prospect. I think it's 50 50. It seems like half are popping champagne and half are not happy because. Here it is. It's that situation where you get used to somebody and you're afraid. Like, you're afraid, hey, if we don't have him, then we're really in trouble instead of, like, taking that brave step forward without him, which I think they'd be better without him, too. But I think that's where some of the fans are at, Mike. That's the problem. I, I, think, there's en- I think there's enough confidence, especially from the coaching staff in a, in a 21-year-old, like Travis Dermott, that they think, that yeah. he's already he's already shown more hockey IQ in his little pinky than Jake Gardner has shown in about six years as a Leaf. Well, I mean, that's, that I mean, might be a little question, harsh, Mike, but in yeah. In terms of yeah. if they decide, if Mike, if they decide to go and make a move for a defenseman, an impact level defenseman, is it Nylander that goes? It well, I mean, it dep- If it isn't Nylander, it's probably a, a package that involves. But it's got to be. It's, it's got to be a real. Yeah, like, yeah like, you cannot be caught in a Shirelli type situation. Here. No, right. You, you just no, can't. No, no. And that's I, a, it, yeah. I'm I'm convinced that if they're trading Nealander, it's going to be for a Truba, for a, uh, a, a Noah Hannafin, or an Ekman Larson, who they get ex- signed on an extension. They cannot. They're not going to do Hall for Larson. I don't think. You know, there's no way Lou Lamorello makes that kind of deal. He knows. He knows how excoriated. Chiarelli was at that at that ridiculous deal, so I, I don't think the Leafs are going down that road. Excoriated, Mike. You're always using big words on these shows. I mean, you know, sorry. I try and I, I try and get you away from that because you know <laughs> people can't relate. We're trying to make you more relatable here, Mike. He's trying sorry. to dumb you down, the Michael. Don't you dare. He's trying to he's trying to dump down the conversation. Don't you dare. Speaking of dumbing down, we um, there's, <laughs> Bruins, there's, there's Bruins Lightning tomorrow, and um, I found the whole Brad Marchand situation of 
licked was he face. asked to? Was was Brad Marchand asked to not lick any more players or not? Um, of course he was. I I think he was. I don't care what, I the, think, league, I don't care what the league says. You know I don't either. <laughs> I ain't buying it. And so that's that's a funny situation. How many does it take to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop? <laughs> <laughs> but well, what's I, the Bruins Lightning series, and what's what's your what's your feel on it? I mean, who's who's the team that I, you like? And, and I why? like Tampa. I do like Tampa, but I think they're. I think it's 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 going to be a good long series. But I think Tampa is going to be able – again, it's going to be fascinating to see the, the level of agitation that Brad Marchand can take. But I think Tampa's going to be a tougher team to get off their game. I, I really think that. I, I saw them stabilize after, you know, game three of that Devils series where Sergachev lost his head uh, with mm-hmm. Boyle. I think Tampa's kind of had time to settle themselves down. They know exactly what they're dealing with. They've played against the Bruins enough during the year, so they know exactly what they're dealing with here. I'm going to hold my pick, obviously. I think it'll be – I think I put it as Tampa at six, but I may have put seven. I'm going to say six, and I'm going to hold to that. I think they'll be in the conference final uh, when the series is all said and done. I just I just think Tampa's – I like Boston a lot, but I think Tampa's just better way, all the way across the board. I'm with you with Tampa now, Mike. When you um, when you watch that game, are you going to be listening to Jack Edwards and Andy Brickley? I know you. That's your favorite combo. Uh, I'm actually. I'm. I'll be listening on the left channel to Jack and Brick. On the right channel, I'll be lis- listening to Dave Mishkin and Phil Esposito. So I get the full spectrum. Ooh. of like, All right. Oh, so wait. Let's let's do this pong. in a very nice way. Uh, and do you listen to either one, or, you, or do you go mute if those are your only choices? I would go mute. Um, can I? Can I, if I'm forced between the two of them, and I and the mute button gets stuck, am I allowed to use a hot poker to to, to completely <laughs> deafen myself? Pen, that might be, that might, that might, it might feel it might be, it might feel better than having to hear Jack. Jack Michigan's excellent. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, Michigan's like, good. Michigan, listen, years and years of, of, of him, especially when he was with Hershey, I, I like Michigan a lot. Uh, but Jack, to me, is like with, with the faux history uh, references, and you know, as as you as, as most of, as just about most of our audience know, I'm a social studies teacher, and I hear <laughs> Jack's Jack's propaganda. Yeah. And, uh, Look at how that uh, player ran into Brad Marchand's stick. It's it looks like something that would have happened at the Boston Tea Party. Oh no. my God! Look at all the stuff on the ice. How many it's Bunker like, Hill references? It's like, Jack, it's like Jack. Shut the hell up. Yeah, I, I want to know how many. And I like Jack. I actually, I actually. Met he's him a nice guy. I'm sure he's a nice guy. man. But when but, he goes, when he, I'm sure he's a nice man. I'm sure one on one about a conversation will be yeah. good. But there's times I'm just like Jack. You're giving me a migraine. He gets, he gets I, crazy. I'd, I'd, like to, I'd like to see a contest of who, what, what references are, are more frequent, Jack, Jack's Battle of Bunker Hill references or Pierre Maguire's references of Shattuck St. Mary's. <laughs> the Battle of Shattuck St. Mary's. Did that, uh, happen? Did that happen in the War of 1812? I love Jack, it. Jack, back to you. I love that. That's actually <laughs> pretty <laughs> awesome. But, but regarding, regarding the series, and I, 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 I can't help but making this comparison. The, the Maple Leafs with a, I would say, an, a, a, a defense that had one and a half top four defensemen. Yeah. Uh, and, that, that's, and that's Riley and, and a 37-year-old Ron Hainsey got to within one period of beating the Bruins. 
I have a lot of respect for the Bruins. That top line Me too. is phenomenal. But Tampa's defense is good. And one of the things I was shocked at, Victor Hedman's got no points in five games. He score, held score. Now, I don't know if he's playing hurt or whatever, but they've got Sergachev, they've got Girardi, they've got uh, McDonough, who's played pretty well. Now, he's Mike, not with, playing, with, that playing top line, with that top line, are you talking about, like, Espo and Ken Hodge? Is that the line you're talking about? No, Ber- Bergeron, oh. Pasternak, oh. and Marshan. Thank you okay. for that. I didn't know if you were but, still in history or not. I didn't know. Yeah, no, 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 no. I'm not talking about uh, Woody Keep up, Mark. Keep up, no, but uh, but 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 Tampa Bay has got is is four lines deep. Tampa Bay, nobody calls them Tampa Bay. That's like just for football. Now you're trolling everybody. Oh there's my Tampa, God, there's, there's Ross! The Tampa you're Bay Lightning. That's their name. <laughs> but nobody but, calls them that. Sorry. Right. You're just trying to get them mad, Mike. I get it. I I, I, I really. Oh, I know that. exactly what you're doing. You're trying to Marshawn things, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> I can be like Marshawn, I guess, but I I don't choose to be. We, I we, don't. We, no, trying to have some fun. It's an active decision. Shut up. <laughs> I, so t- t- Tampa Bay in six games. By the way, I have I I just have to bring this up. The, uh, I, I think the most enraged fan base right now might be the Edmonton Oilers because after the putrid season that they had, after a complete failure of a year. Mm-hmm. Peter Chiarelli is not fired, neither is Todd McClellan, and all they do is fire two assistant coaches. So There has to be, there has to be some sacrifices. Yes. Yeah. Bloodletting must happen, just not, the main, just not the main bloodletting everybody wants. It's like Joe versus the volcano. Let's just throw a couple sacrificial lambs into the uh, into But the that's lava. what teams do now. It's, it's an interesting thing. I, I get what you're – I actually agree with you, Mike, and, and I get what you're saying because it is weird how – they do that, and they say, well, this is how it's going to be done. And, and you almost think that, well, ownership sort of brings in guys that they've liked or hear about and sort of force them on the coach. And then how often does that work down the line? Usually the coach ends up getting fired either the end of the next year or middle of the next year because it just, you know, it's not their guys. It's just a weird thing. Yeah, I I, mean, I I don't get it, and I mean, unless Chiarelli has got some sort of secret plan to uh, to resurrect things in Edmonton, or they think this this season was an anomaly, which I don't think it was an anomaly. I think that you know you've got a great player in McDavid, surrounded by you know I think a few talented young kids. I still think Puliyarvi is going to be good. I think you know, yeah. Yamamoto is going to be good, but yeah. you know they've they've sort of they've sort of mishandled. Uh, what's going on with Dreisaitl this year? They're, you know, yeah. they may tr- they may trade Nugent Hopkins, and their defense for all the things that they gave up and for all the money that they spend have spent is a train wreck. So I I don't I I don't see where the the plan is with Edmonton, and you know, we'll, I guess we'll see what they do over the summer. Nope, that's fair. Um, before we end the show, I I was posed a question today, and I'll I'll pose it to you guys, and, and then I'll give my answer, but it was an interesting question because, and you know, the draft lottery is tomorrow and we'll, we'll see only partial results because they're, they're going to, I don't know if I'll still be at the arena when they do the top three picks because they're waiting until like the middle of the second period and I probably would be driving on the way home, but they're going to have, you know, the rest of the picks before then. But the point is, if the Edmonton Oilers somehow get this top pick, uh, 
What do you think will happen? Like I, I'll, I'll just tell you this. I said I think they would somehow mathematically either revamp the system or say, you know, you could only win the top pick yeah. two or three times in a five- or ten-year period. Like, I don't know. What do you think? Because I think at that point it will be a little crazy if that were to happen. Well, no, I completely agree. It'll be a little crazy. I just don't know if they're going to do anything with regards to the system in terms of any sort of tweaks. It's just, you know, the Oilers will be, you know, clap their hands there at their at their wondrous luck to get uh, a game, you know, game-changing uh, defenseman into their system. But, uh, yeah. And you leave it alone? You, I don't what know. about you personally? How, how do you, you change it? I mean, what do you do? You just I make it, do, Russ. Honestly, how, what, what is it that I, you I do? come up with a rule that You says, put more weights in the balls? I don't know. No, no, I probably... Rather than changing the math, because nobody gets the math anyhow, it's ridiculous. And um, rather than changing, I'd probably just come out with a hard and fast rule that just says, "Hey, you know what? You can't win the top pick like three consecutive years, or something like three out of four years. Like you just, it, it's we're not allowing it." No, I, you may, maybe it's like okay, if you if you win the lottery the previous year, you know, if you're a non-playoff team, you are stuck in the lot where you finish, meaning if you finish 20, 20, 22nd overall, you're going to get the ninth pick. You're basically right. not that, as that, and Something like that, I think, is, is just. See, that's good. I like that. You know, I they you know they they get they get their pick they get their pick based on based on their record. But you know, not, and the thing is, if they're thirty first overall, then maybe they get the they get the fourth pick. They you know, right. they, they, it's like they lost the lottery. Right, because there, there are some teams that have never had the first overall pick. Yeah, I mean, you could potentially do it that way. I guess the other options, again, and, and as Mike mentioned, that you know, certain times you take certain teams out of the mix and, and fix their and fix their slot, possibly. I mean, mm-hmm. that's one way to do it. That's one well, way pers- you can potentially per- do it. Personally, I would like to see. Um, I mean, since they, the the two franchises that have been screwed as as much as any anyone when it comes to the first pick. I would like to see Arizona or Buffalo get the first overall pick. Not, you know, not Montreal dropping in into the lottery, not not uh uh Vancouver. No, or I'm rooting for Vancouver. I think Vancouver needs a little luck cuz they um they're doing things the right way. The the Sedins, you know, did a nice thing for them by giving them cap space back, and I think if they were to Get the first overall pick; it would really, you know, it would accelerate their their program there. And I think Jim Benning's done a real good job with it. So I'm shooting for them because I'm not sure. Like Arizona, the problem with Arizona is if they get Darlene, all that does is mean that Ekman Larson's definitely gone. Like that's yeah. it. Well, yeah, and that's what, and I, and that's I just treading water. Then I think he's going anyway, Russ. So yeah, most likely. Think. Yeah, so I don't think it's going to make much of a difference. I mean, I, I but does that help the franchise? See, I don't think all it does is one guy for another, but I don't know if it helps the franchise like enough. So yeah, I, that's why I'm saying no for them. I, Buffalo, I don't know. Sure. If that, I don't know if that franchise is it may be beyond help the way it's going. Yeah, right. but well, I look at Buffalo and I say, look, they've had the Bandits, they've had championships. It's you know. Yeah, they they have the AFL in '64 and '65. That's enough. That's enough for this century. Yeah. I mean, you have Josh Allen as a quarterback. I'm sorry, no. We'll... <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Boy, he's just, Anthony. He's just trolling today. He's just he's just doing his 
You know, he's, he's doing his best Kenny Linsman imitation. Yeah, he's doing his best here. Yeah, he is. Squeak. <laughs> sorry. Not sorry, sorry. I am, I am. I'm, I'm going to pull it together. All right, well, that's it. That's it for Off the Post. And we'll uh, catch everybody next time. Take care, everybody. I'm calling the Oregon man. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.